0: Welcome to Dig It with Edge and my co host Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How you doing, Corey?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Super pumped to go over this report I've been working my butt off on for a while now.
0: You have been working on this thing forever. I'm so glad that you were able <coughs> to pull this all together. There is a ton of information we're going to go over today, all about your report on immunities and these organizations, these international organizations that are just uh, have immunity after immunity from any kind of accountability. So this is a really important report.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm still trying to get my brain geared up because I'm on a different schedule than everyone. So, and I've been pulling all-nighters trying to get this thing done. And uh, without the help of Edge, who... who (laughs) I'm like, edge, I need your help. I got to say, I got over, it it probably came to over a hundred executive orders that needed to be just verified because it doesn't matter how many different lists you go through. Some of them aren't updated. Um, Some of these companies I I found were uh, dissolved, which is another reason why I started looking into the founding date and the headquarters. And I wanted all the, you know, the, the kind of basic general info in there. So I appreciate your help in validating all the EOs on those organizations cuz that was that was quite the project. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I think people would be astounded to know how many organizations through executive order through treaties have been given these just blanket immunities uh that h- helps them to skirt the law. It and... it's
1: insane. Not to mention all the banks which we'll get into. I mean, we're talking 76 international organizations and banks. So so let me back up. Okay. So this was about, gosh, I've lost track of time because I got set back like three weeks on this report due to all kinds of huh, techs, tech uh, issues and stuff going on over here where I had needed to get someone in here. And so this goes back like, I don't even know, month and a half maybe? um, and Catherine calls me and we're talking about what's going on with, with the banks and with this. And I'm like, Holy cow. And as she's talking, I'm running through my head, you know, past, uh, organ, you know, research I've done going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know they have immunity. I know they have this type of immunity. I know they're not liable for this. I'm like, I need to start digging into this more. Cause I'm starting to see this whole picture form. Right. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, since you're going to cover the banking end of it, that's awesome. I'm going to, she'll do that way better than I would anyways. So you cover that. And then when I get this done, I'm going to link all of her banking related reporting um, into this report so people can see the whole picture. So that's what this, this is like the whole picture. Uh, However, I obviously have a part two coming (laughs) because, because there's, as I'm doing that, I already have a bunch of more research put together for part two, which is another reason why this was so time consuming. Um, Because there, there are some groups that I have seen very little coverage on, if any, that need to be exposed because they're very critical and significant to the grand scheme of things. And there's also um, numerous, in addition to just the, acts the executive orders the um treaties and conventions and headquarters agreements and whatnot there are also agreements between organizations where immunities are then extended and then we also have other agreements and cooperation and ndas and so you start thinking about the thousands of ngos and corporations that are working with these people and through these people and it just All makes sense.
0: It's a tangled web operating completely outside of laws and regulations and accountability. Mm -hmm. And now, and people wonder how do these people just blatantly do what they do and act with impunity uh, as though they're never going to have any sort of accountability. Well, I think that this explains quite a lot. And uh, we're talking about Corey's uh, latest report. Check it out on Corey's digs.com laundering with immunity, the control framework part one. And as you mentioned, I think part two is going to be even more explosive because it's exposing a particular group right um that i had never heard of before so definitely check this part one out but also be looking for part two which i assume would be coming very soon
1: not very soon (laughs) 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 i wish it's a beast it's a beast so i have to figure out how to break that down i haven't even you know i've been creating this outline in my head because the reach is unbelievable and uh and and i've been pulling over this past week i've been pulling uh contracts and agreements and ndas and reading through all of that i mean it is just it is elaborate it's Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty crazy but here's the good news before we like dive into this further there are things that can be done um the way this is all structured and set up there's a few things and And one that's most important is everyone needs to get this into their state legislators hands because they need to start working on a state and local level for uh, sovereignty to, you know, they need to enforce the Constitution. They need to be create total independence from the Federal Reserve and the central banks. Uh, They need to create a state bank. They need to create depositories for gold and silver, and they need to get that rolling as legal tender. Um, this is like the biggest racketeering scheme ever in the world that's been going on for decades, which is why some of these people walk around thinking they're completely untouchable because they are, uh, however, the way it's structured, it seems to me there. Okay. So, you know how, for example, if you get, uh, if a state takes financial, assistance from the federal government. They are now tied to those strings, right? They're now tied to their rules and regulations. But if they don't take that funding, they're not. So the John Birch Society came up with a couple of brilliant ideas, which we have at the end of this. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that. But there is a way to fight this and to break their system apart on a state level. And this is what is so important and critical that people do. They need to start taking action. They need to contact their legislators. They need to flood this information everywhere because this is, these are, this is not just in the U S these are international immunities for a ton of organizations and banks. So this is a global scale uh, scheme that's been going on for decades
0: right right it's it's a network of these very big powerful organizations and banks that can just operate completely out of the realm of legalities right uh, completely
1: entirely they it's not even above the law they're entirely outside the law they're outside the the constitution it's this is what i equate it to like i have this vision in my head of these corrupt asshats sitting around you know back in the 1920s and going all right guys how are we gonna take over the world we need to create some money and then we need to hoard it all we need to own it all and we need to like get it all from everybody in the globe and then we're gonna take it over and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna put ourselves in charge and we're gonna decide that We need certain immunities in order to carry out these wonderful acts we're doing to contribute to the world and all of these international agreements. So we're going to get together and let's see, you go over there in that country, you take care in this country, you're in that country. Let's all sign these documents between all of us and let's just make it law and we'll work completely outside the system over here and no one will be
0: the wiser until it's too late. (laughs) Right. And even if the people did find out, there's nothing they could do because we're protected by immunity, after immunity, after immunity, right? Oh yeah, I mean some of these people are so That's what they think.
1: you you can't even have military or law enforcement inside their headquarters unless they invite them in. So it it's pretty crazy. So because the list is so long and um I covered the, you know, the founding date, the headquarters, the e- the EO numbers and which president authorized it um the the list is pretty lengthy there's 76 of them so i i couldn't get into the section on part two the more details so this is kind of like the groundwork this is the framework and the structure and also just so people know um darius marley a voice actor had contacted me offering to um do some audio recordings of my reports for me which is freaking awesome so inside this report you can also listen to it in uh full audio and i even created it in pdf format in the bookshop it's just a small fee for people if they want to download it you can make copies send them off to your legislators so although email would probably be better just because of the links with the evidence but at any rate okay so we've got uh 76 international organizations and bank enjoy immunities privileges and tax exemptions separately we have gavi which everyone who listens to us knows who gavi is big pharma and cern enjoy similar immunities the bank for international settlements has sovereign immunity and some of these immunities extend to its members being 63 central banks and the federal reserve system while other immunities extend to systemically important institutions, which I know Catherine and her her team are still working on uh, breaking all of that down, but they've already done a great amount of work on this, which I have linked in here. We have trillions, I mean trillions of taxpayer dollars and printed money has moved through these organizations and banks with no transparency or accountability as they continue to build a global enslavement system. Hundreds, if not thousands, of NGOs and corporations work with and through these organizations and banks, some of whom have agreements, NDAs, and or immunity by extension. So if you scroll down to the little pyramid I created, this kind of shows the structure. We've got like BIS at the top with immunity. Bank of
0: International Settlements, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got the World Bank Group, Central Bank's Federal Reserve System, insurers, and payment systems with immunities. The, Of course, the organizations we just talked about, Gavi, Big Pharma, and CERN, and then the NGOs. And then there we are at the bottom, right? We're paying into this system that's just funneling up and through. So let me... Uh...
0: Consolidating all the control, the power, the money at the top, Well, they operate completely outside of any sort of accountability
1: Mm -hmm. and the irony is many of them are tax exempt (laughs) so they're not they don't even pay into the system they're just getting the money right from the system that we're paying into i mean it's it's literally like a giant mafia so if we scroll down let's see where to go uh let's just go into what these immunities privileges and tax exemptions are So what happened is in 1945, December 29th, 1945 is when this went into effect. uh, They got together and pushed, you know, for Congress to pass this just after uh, World War II, like immediately after. And said, look, we gotta, we gotta create these safe immunities so that we can, in order to be able to operate and function properly on an international level, we need to have certain protections. So we need to pass this. So they used the war, the ward to catapult all of this. So they passed this uh, international organizations immunities act. And what that does is it authorized the presidents to to basically pick who they choose to get these immunities and they designate them by executive order right now the secretary of state has the right but i have yet to find one but has the right to determine that okay at some point along the way we don't think this organization is is worthy of this anymore or or you know and and we're going to remove this power from them well i haven't seen that and all the research i've done uh there were like A handful of organizations that had dissolved so obviously they no longer have it but i have not seen any that were revoked so basically what they get their property and their assets wherever located and by whomsoever held shall enjoy the same immunity from suit and every form of judicial process as is enjoyed by foreign governments Unless the organization waives their immunity. So just so people understand, they have the, it'll say this in all of them, you know, that so if you had someone, let's say an employee had some dispute or some beef against you, they all have their internal councils and debate systems that, um, that handle this inside. So nobody knows about it in the outside world. If something happened and there was some massive criminal thing going on and uh, one of their employees was being looked into, they're probably going to handle that inside, too. They don't have to go to a court of law. They can't they can't come and and arrest them. But if it was something super severe, let's say an employee murdered another employee and they said, oh, this person's got to go off to jail here and we're going to go ahead and let this go through the regular court system, they can waive their right to their privileges in order to allow that to happen. I doubt that's ever happened. So they have immunity from search and seizure of property and assets, wherever located and by whomsoever held their archives are inviolable. Think about that exemption from property taxes, internal revenue taxes, communication taxes, taxes on transportation of persons or property customs, duties, and taxes, admission of officers and employees and their family members without checks from customs, Uh, officers and employees are exempt from legal suits or any other legal action in regards to activities related to work, employees are exempt from income tax if they are not U.S. citizens or are both a U.S. citizen and a citizen of the Commonwealth of the Philippines. So, you know, these are international organizations. They could have their headquarters over here, but they may have people that work from various countries that come over here, maybe for a year or two to work, or they don't have to pay they don't have to pay into the tax system and they have all these other immunities. We've already discussed, uh, officers and employees of the international organization and members of their immediate families, other than nationals of the United States require no alien registration or fingerprinting or registration of foreign agents. So these people can travel all over (laughs) They don't need any kind of immigration status. No checks at customs. Nothing.
0: Right. Right. I mean, Think imagine that. <laughs> imagine the stuff that could be imported without any kind of inspection. Uh-huh. Uh, smuggled in without any kind of inspection.
1: Uh-huh. So, so that, so that's like the cliff notes. That's me summarizing. I mean, those are the key ones. That's pretty much it. That, but I have LinkedIn here the original act and and more information if anyone wants to review that in depth have fun and my brain is fried from reading all this legal garble Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so then we get into the list um so i'll just i'll just sporadically read off a handful uh truman so truman is the one who kicked this off right back in uh 19 february 19th 1946 is when the first batch started going out Every president since then has given these authorizations by executive order to various international organizations, with the exception of Trump. And thus far, Biden hasn't. So uh, and of course, uh, Bill Clinton holds second place for the uh, amount of these given out no surprise so,
0: there i'm sure know, right some of those <laughs> those organizations this is my just my guess are connected somehow to the clinton foundation right <laughs> but you know well
1: but- w- well there's there's actually a whole nother article in my head going on that has to do with some of the ones he's given out that don't necessarily connect to the clinton foundation but definitely to their interests so
0: Interesting. I do find it also interesting that um, uh, that Obama's not top of the list. I would expect Obama to be like one of the primary ones to issue all of these e- blanket executive orders giving immunities to organizations with which he was associated with or he had interests in uh, to protect them from any sort of legalities. But the other thing that I find really interesting is that Trump didn't do a single Single executive order to issue blanket immunities to an organization as though trump knew uh that this was a scam to allow organizations to operate above the law
1: right so why well, i'm the, they could have revoked some <laughs> yeah that would have been good right uh, which, which i believe the power lies with like the secretary of state when it comes to that um so so I'm just going to read a handful off, but I should point out that of these 76 organizations, as anyone can imagine, 21 of them are the UN and uh, five of which are the World Bank. So the World Bank group has five arms. All of them have immunities. And in addition to that, the UN, World Bank, all of it, they have, they have treaties as well. So, so they are protected to the hilt. Um, so we've got, you know, the international labor organization, of course, the, the food and agriculture organization that, um, is part of the UN, the international labor organization was actually founded under the league of nations, but it's now part of the UN. Um, we've got the pan American health organization, uh, there, well, let me, let me point this out when you start looking through who these organizations are, the first thing you notice is the pattern of, wow, they just covered every industry. So if we do not put a stop to this, we are looking at the list of the future rulers of the world, because these are the ones that have managed to stay outside of the system and gather up and move all this money. And, uh, so so it's interesting because you've got from agriculture to food to marine to postal uh telecommunications education aviation like they got it all covered.
0: So right. So Pan American Health Organization isn't that the predecessor of the WHO?
1: Yes. Yes, that is. And then we've got um trying to find so uh, Even that one, International Telecommunication Union, you know, that's now, of course, under the U.N. Got so many under the U.N. I'm trying to find some that aren't. Uh, International Joint Commission between the United States and Canada. Uh, Let's see. Pacific Community, of course, Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. We know that's going to be in there. International Organization for Migration. We know that's going to be in there. Uh let's see International Atomic Energy Agency International Hydrographic Bureau the International Maritime Organization uh we even have the International Pacific Halibut Commission and the Tropical Tuna Commission <laughs> Great Lakes Fishery Commission and we've got banks we've got the Asian Development Bank um we've got let's see i'm going from memory now we've got the african fund we've got the uh what's the european one we've got european bank for reconstruction and development uh we have the european space agency uh i mean these are really critical you know the african union we know how much work the the clintons and gates and bushes have done through through there um we've got the world intellectual property organization so um and fertilizer the international fertilizer development center look into that one and there's so there's so many spin-off articles i could do on a bunch of these and and there will be some coming um separately from the part 2 but it's just the international food policy research institute uh, now they have limited privileges. There were what was it? Edge? There was maybe like two or three in here that had some limited privileges, right? Um, right.
0: Like they weren't given all the privileges provided under that Immunities Act. Some of the clauses within that act were exclusions, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. But that was pretty rare. I mean, I would say in general, I think most it was just two or were- three.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course, we have the Red Cross in here. Which was, um, that was the first ever uh, grant from the Rockefeller Foundation was back in 1913 to the Red Cross. So people need to come in here and look at this or you can, you know, listen to the full audio. But we got the North American Development Bank. I mean, I think there was a total if you include the world bank i think there were a total of 13 altogether and this is just in my list this doesn't even include the 63 members of the central bank under the bank for international settlements so uh it's pretty it's pretty astounding and i know that a lot of these names are going to be you know international renewable energy agency irena hello uh IDER, the International Fusion Energy Organization, uh, obviously the Global Fund, no surprise there. Bill and Melinda Gates, Jeffrey right. Sachs, Kofi i mean, so people. I mean, a lot be- of
0: lot of banks, a lot of banks, but uh, lots of organizations as well. But I definitely see bank after bank after banks to provide these these banksters and organizations like the Bill Gates Global Fund they just seem to act with impunity and people wonder how do they do that you know they they actually oh, oh. believe these multiple treaties and executive orders that they're just untouchable
1: i'll tell you how they did it i'm i'm going to read you this little section on on gavi because and i and i cover the global fund in this too so So Gavi was founded in 2000 by the, oh, I just noticed a type error. I need to put a space between by and the. Okay. So they were founded in 2000 by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation with UNICEF, the World Bank Group and who listed as partners, which was originally hosted by the United Nations Children's Fund, which is UNICEF. So it was granted immunities and privileges through this hosting relationship. When UNICEF, no longer hosted Gavi it became a foundation and an international institution under Swiss law it's quite funny if you look on the map and you go to Geneva Switzerland and you start mapping out all these organizations you've got the who the UN Gavi Global Fund there's a bunch of them all right there so so they became a foundation under under um Swiss law And they were given privileges and immunities in Switzerland on January 1st, 2009. So, and those equate to the same ones that the UN enjoys, which is pretty much untouchable. So Gavi was the first international institution to receive recognition under the new host state act in Switzerland back then. Then in 2019, did you know this, edge? The U.S. created the U.S. International Development Finance Corporation to finance the private sector and healthcare, energy, telecommunications, and critical infrastructure. No. <laughs> yeah. So this May, they just teamed up with Gavi to create the COVAX Rapid Finance Facility. I know you've heard, you're familiar with COVAX, um, which is providing up to $1 billion to unleash more COVID jabs. Now, the World Bank whose branches also receive ex- beyond immunities and privileges is Gavi's trustee. They manage their finances and they hold several seats on the board. Then we moved to the Global Fund. The same year in 2000 is when the Global Fund was founded by Bill and Melinda Gates, Kofi Annan, who I believe has is now dead, uh, Amir Adoran, and Jeffrey Sachs. And it was launched in 2002. And you know what I just discovered yesterday? I don't know how I missed this. You know, uh, Dr. Paul Farmer from Partners in Health, Clinton's buddy, Gates' buddy, Mm -hmm. he died in February. I totally missed that. At 62 years old, they said in his sleep cardiac arrest. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, he's covered in a lot of my reports. So... Anyways, they ran a similar scheme. So they established as a foundation under Swiss law as well. In an agreement with the WHO, providing a secretariat for the Global Fund, it extended the WHO's immunities and privileges to the Global Fund. So at the same time, Gavi received privileges and immunities in Switzerland, the Global Fund then ended their agreement with the WHO on the same day. Oh. So, yeah. Huh. Total, Funny how that total works. Scheme here. And so they have like head headquarters agreements um which i'm going to get into more of that in part 2 we won't get into that here but in addition to you know there's a lot of different agreements that are formed and then of course what happens is so like the global fund for example they they're covered not only through our uh international organizations immunities act they're also covered by Switzerland headquarters agreement through, um, through uh, what was the other one? There was like a third one. Uh, but then they also have these agreements in multiple other countries, right? So this is, this is like international, which is the case with most of them that have international agreements. They could have anywhere from like 30 to 90 countries that they have these agreements in. So big pharma, I think everyone already knows I've covered that in my measles mastermind and millions report. They have uh, since 1986, when they created the vaccine injury compensation program that made big pharma um, no longer liable for any injury or death that is caused by that. So you now got big pharma, Gavi, all UN factions, the who, you know, none of these people are liable. This is why they walk around with smug faces and say whatever the hell they want. And then we have CERN, which is a really creepy, interesting one, because they too have immunities. And they expanded them to, uh, they operate in 23 member states. Now, of course, their big Hadron Collider is in um, Switzerland. It is in Switzerland, right? Yeah. It is in France. My brain's just... Uh, and yeah, I've got links to their crazy, uh, ceremonies here and, and Miriam's report. She did a great report on this, but they too, you know, 9,000 scientists that want to probe dark matter and are doing crazy stuff. These, they all have immunities too. So, so then we move into the, uh, where the money moves through. So the bank for international settlements uh immunity and beyond they enjoy immunity for members of the board of directors officers bank staff representatives of non-member banks and experts including inviolability of all documentation and their premises have immunities and what they have is on their site they talk about how if and and I did look up actually one of their agreements with the UK. I think it was if if any other member banks are doing anything they consider um, activities or functions pertaining to BIS or for BIS, uh, they are covered under those immunities. So so imagine how that could very easily be laid out and twisted to work in their favor. But then they also state that these immunities extend to systemically important institutions. Well, what does that mean?
0: Right. It's pretty broad. They
1: they created a subsidiary. uh, I got to go to my timeline to find it. That is insurers and payment systems where the FDIC is now a member under there. And I mean, they're partnered with, I got to find this in here. So, so I don't mess this up. They're partnered with um, like the U S treasury Let's see. Oh, and by the way, just, just so people understand, uh, BIS, so BIS was established in uh, Basel, Switzerland in 1930. Good old Switzerland. And uh, it's, it's an international financial institution that's essentially like owned by the central banks and serves as a bank for the central banks. In addition to acting as agent or trustee with international financial transactions. So you've got... The the board of governors of the Federal Reserve System, along with 63 central banks and monetary authorities, Uh, this is governed by a board of directors. And of course, Jerome Powell serves on the board. So this has sovereign immunity. And um, like I said, they've got extensions. And I know Catherine and them are working out the details of, you know, specifically what all those extensions Entail, but we know that they do, in fact, extend to the banks that are working or operating under some sort of functions for BIS. So
0: that's a lot of banks. uh, Basically, just saying their entire network could they could extend, you know, immunities to and hold uh, so that certain banks would not have to be held accountable for any kind of you know funny business
1: well and and that they're you know documents everything's inviolable i mean so you you can't it's not like with these organizations or any of them you could even file a foia you know i mean you right. can't uh that they're they're so beyond protected in and i know that when it comes to the new york fed and federal reserve and everything this is, this has got to be going, overstepping the law. I mean, the whole thing is obviously, but it's a little different than when it comes to the New York Fed. So, so I want to point out. I did a very short little timeline just so people could keep in, keep this all in perspective. So December twenty third, nineteen thirteen. This is how long they've been plotting this, right? The Federal Reserve was created January 20th, 1930 is when the bank for international settlements was founded. And, and Patrick Wood's done tremendous work on the history of that. So, uh, 1936, the Hague convention expanded immunities. July, 1944 is when the international bank for reconstruction and development was founded, which is the world bank, uh, December 27th, 1945, 11 European countries signed the World Bank Articles of Agreement. And there's a photo of the U.S. Treasury Secretary signing away. And just two days later is when they created the US, the, the International Organization Immunities Act.
0: Mm, hmm. Uh-huh. What a coincidence. Wow. Yep.
1: And, and then you fast forward just, what, two months? And and Harry Truman starts banging them out, but a boom, but a boom, but a boom, and of course, all five arms of the World Bank eventually got their immunities, and you know the whole UN faction, and on and on it goes. So fast forward to September 1994 is when the first Biz Board meeting after the Federal Reserve finally purchased shares in the Biz System kicked off the central bank system on a global scale with BIS at the helm and you know how long i've been saying 1994 was the year they flipped the switch that's when every major significant thing was going down you you just you could tell that was the year they really kicked things into high gear so october 1st 1997 Money began going missing from the Department of Defense and the Department of Housing and Urban Development in the U.S. federal government in large amounts totaling $21 trillion by fiscal year 2015. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's a whole report in here by Catherine Austin Fitz on that. Uh, September 10th, 2000. So I was poking around and I found this letter. So BIS sent a note to its registered shareholders. Now just think of the, think of the dates of this, right? So September 10th, 2000, they sent a note to its registered shareholders informing them of BIS's decision to the new restriction on the right to hold shares in the BIS exclusively to central banks, which included details about the mandatory repurchase of all shares and the amendments of BIS's statutes that were to be adopted By the Extraordinary General Meeting held on January 8th, 2001. Hmm. Then uh, May the following year, uh, 2002, they created a subsidiary called the International Association of Deposit Insurers, the IADI, whereby the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation is a member, along with 91 other deposit insurers, So the U.S. Treasury, International Monetary Fund, and World Bank are just a few of the partners. So when they say that their immunities, or at least some of their immunities, extend to systemically important institutions, it could potentially mean these insurers and payment systems here. Right. We're talking FDIC here. So... August 22, 2019, BlackRock's uh, white paper on Going Direct reveals that the central bank is moving funds directly into the hands of public and private sector spenders, meaning equity investors, in a laundering scheme. The plan injected more than $5 trillion into the U.S. financial system. The following month, the U.S. Federal Reserve began a repo loan bailout program by Going Direct to the trading houses on, on Wall Street. And then in March, 2020 hired BlackRock to help implement the going direct plan, which we've talked a lot about. And I've done a whole financial takeover report that includes portions of that in it. So when you look at, and I intentionally kept the timeline really short compared to my usual timelines, because I wanted to just get those key dates just to show this is, you know, we're talking this, they've been planning this for over a hundred years. Um,
0: yeah, it's yeah. it's been a long time in the planning even prior to the first executive order issued, which is really interesting how um, the, this timeline right here, boom, 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 the International <laughs> Bank of Reconstruction and Development, the World Bank's founded, mm-hmm. the, these countries sign on, and then just within a matter of days, We're issuing an act through Congress to give Uh blanket immunities to organizations and boom, 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 20 immunities go out to all of these banks and organizations, um, you know, just within, you know, a month or so.
1: Yeah, absolutely crazy. So
0: like it was all part of that plan. Oh, absolutely. To give these banksters blanket immunity without any sort, any transparency whatsoever. And then you just start seeing the money laundering happen, such as like October 1st, 1997, we have 21 trillion go missing. These these dates near um, September 11th, 2001, Mm -hmm. um, where those trillions went missing. Um, it's interesting how this timeline sort of coincides with that um, and you won't have to wonder how much of it was funneled through these banks that have Lincoln immunities
1: oh and there's there's a whole other element that coincides with that timeline that I'm going to write up in a separate article having to do with some of these organizations that I think is pretty darn significant and I I honestly don't know if it's ever been reported on or not. Uh, I'm going to keep it a really short article. Um, but I think it's a significant, um, find that I discovered while doing this. Uh, it was really hard to stay <laughs> narrowly focused on this because I'm so familiar with so many of these organizations that, uh, I was connecting dots, so many different dots as I was going through this. And that's why I wanted to, like I first put the list in order of when they were founded, the organizations, and then I constructed the list in order of when they were given immunities. And I'm looking at them side by side. And that's when I started, um, you know, I contemplated doing that on here, but it got to be a pain in the butt. So I just left them by order of immunity because I think that timeline is a little more significant, But at any rate, lots of, lots of connections. So, so then we've got, um, what I did is just above that edge is where I have for a fuller understanding on the history of BIS, central banks, immunities, and what this all means. It's prudent to watch and read the following. And I highly recommend, um, most of these, let's see, most of these are videos. Uh, and then there's a couple reports, um, but the discussions, the two-part discussions between um, Catherine, Austin Fitz, and Patrick Wood, mandatory uh, the all the plenaries, men to have an understanding of this uh, by John Titus, fantastic, and then the the most recent report that Catherine wrote on does the BIS owe U.S. twenty-one trillion or owe you sixty-five thousand. So I highly recommend people review that so you have the a full grasp on all of this cuz it's it's pretty it's 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 complex yet it's simple you know like once right. you see
0: they for, they, dive, first, they dive they huh. dive deep into the banking aspect of how this money was laundered through these banks that have uh immunities
1: mhm so imagine if you had And I already found some doozies that I I can't wait to uh, start putting that together. But imagine if you have, whether it's an NGO or a corporation that's working with one of these organizations that has these immunities, who uses one of these banks, who has these immunities, and then they sign agreements and NDAs. You think we're ever going to know what really happened and where that money really went?
0: It'll be an act of God. (laughs) (laughs) So we can put uh, the pieces together, as you have done very well here. And I'm sure Catherine Austin Fitz and uh, Patrick Wood and John Titus and others, um, as you've outlined in these links, um, have done so as well.
1: Yeah. So so John Birch Society uh, recently published a couple of brilliant ideas on how to uh, for what states can do. And how people need to really really bring this to the attention of their state legislators and send them this dang report, you know like we we need like a campaign, a group of people, like an office of fifty people that just do nothing but hammer legislators with critical information um to try and and establish these because honestly. If, if our states would just disconnect, sever ties from the Federal Reserve and central banks and set up their own state banks and their own gold and silver, you know, depositories and everything, that right there is half the battle. Um, so, so here's what they say, okay? They suggest enacting an escrow law. So they say that state legislatures should enact a state sovereignty and federal tax funds act. Now, this this is this is a great statistic in here. It doesn't shock me in the least, but um, I'm glad they had this stat in here because, you know, how I love my stats. So they say it's known as escrow law. Federal taxes would be required to go into a special fund controlled by the state government. Once they calculate the actual constitutional federal spending the state would only send that percentage of funds to the Internal Revenue Service. Remaining funds would go toward state expenditures that were reliant on federal funding or be returned to taxpayers. They point out that this would save taxpayers a considerable amount of hard-earned money because they estimate that 80% of federal spending is unconstitutional.
0: Wow. Let's reiterate yep. that. 80 yeah percent of federal funding is or federal spending spending is unconstitutional i mean Mm -hmm. yeah you're not shocked i'm not shocked but it's just it is kind of staggering seeing that yeah right
1: i know so this would protect protect the state and the people while putting the the federal government in check they also point out that this bill has been introduced in five states in previous years but has yet to be enacted into law which is critical right now in order to gain the upper hand. Okay. The second thing they suggest is nullify the federal reserve.
0: Bam. Yes.
1: They say, (laughs) argue, they argue that the federal reserve is unconstitutional and has created a monopoly on currency. They illustrate how 42 states have enacted legislation to abolish or curtail sales tax on precious metals, which is a big step toward treating them as legal tender. In uh, Oklahoma, in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma, Utah, and Wyoming, they are leading the pack by reaffirming the validity of gold and silver as legal tender to compete against Federal Reserve notes. Uh, Texas opened a state precious metals depository, and Tennessee has recently enacted legislation to study creating its own depository. Uh, so they say, you know, whereas these are steps in the right direction, they point out that state governments must enforce the Constitution's gold and silver clause, which I have linked in here, which declares that no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. So in that part of the Constitution, you can bet your ass is still enforced today, so they need to enforce it. So uh there's a lot that can be done on a local and state level to but we need to work with our legislators we need to uh you know and there's a lot of good ones on the state level guys Fe- federal government i mean phew, wow but on a state and local level there are there we, are we have a greater things.
0: chance of getting yes. done in certain states yeah i i and, agree
1: and honestly, I really just I can't I can't see any other way of doing this other than other than a bunch of attorneys going to bat over this and filing suit over the over some of this, because uh, and, and we'll wait and see when Catherine and them, you know, get to the bottom of, you know, dig up more information on the whole banking end of things. But uh, this is this is just it's incredible it's incredible the level of immunities that have been established for these organizations and banks to be able to operate like this and uh just it's just unbelievable i mean yeah
0: it is stunning when you look at it and i of course you know I always knew that, you know, the UN, the World Health Organization, of course, these guys have immunities. Mm -hmm. But when you start seeing this gigantic list that dates back to the 1940s, really (laughs) essentially since World War II, they've been um piling on the immunities for organizations here's just this list that just seems to go on forever (laughs) and then you start reading the immunities that they're given and how they can function completely outside of the law outside of any kind of transparency uh it's it's staggering and um you know so i really had no idea the depth of how far this immunity scam extended. I didn't uh, either.
1: I mean, I knew, you know, specific organizations did just for my research, but I never really I never really uh took the time to dig further into some of these treaties and um these other acts that have been passed by our wonderful Congress um and 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 to just how many it extended to, Right. so it's real easy to see the game, to see this pyramid scheme going on here, and how we need to change it up. Oh and, yeah, and um, it's uh, I you know, presidents
0: should not have the power. I would think to extend immunities <laughs> so Congress just gave, them flagrantly. That,
1: gave them that power,
0: uh, right? And Congress could revoke it if we had the the right congress (laughs) but yeah right you know uh, it it just it seems way way like way too much power to be able to extend uh to any president or any organization to be able to just give uh all kinds of organizations this kind of blanket immunity where they don't have to um, operate within our laws they don't have to provide any information uh they don't have to to provide transparency
1: no one everything is audited handled and debated within their own organizations it's pretty crazy
0: yeah it's just like we've been conspiring people within our own government and governments throughout the world have been conspiring for decades building this society completely outside of the law and immune from any kind of accountability for decades since world war ii right and i do think that primarily it has to do with the money Uh, and these trillions of dollars that just mysteriously go missing, and then, you know, no way of being able to uh, really finally find out where they all went, where it all went.
1: Yeah, I mean, they created the money, they print the money freely, they hoard all the money, and then they establish it to where we all have to send money in, so they can then take it out. And uh this is why it all needs to go back to the states and they need several sever ties from the federal reserve and central bank i mean there there this is like a clear cut way of doing this which we can't say with a lot of other situations that we find ourselves in against these gangsters uh we just need uh our legislators to actually do something <laughs> and we need the people to hound them relentlessly and get this information to them because this could be a game changer.
0: Absolutely, because there are so many distractions today. I understand that some of these are really important issues, whether on they're on the social side of things and the indoctrination of our kids in schools, and and the economy side of things with inflation and all. But but really, we need to to. Grasp how important the central bank system, the Federal Reserve, are to the future of the entire world uh and the direction that it's going to go because we see where this is going we see them the you know every country is printing money as though they know they don't have to pay it back with this sort of unspoken um agreement that at some point we're all going to be switching to digital currency and resetting the system so everybody's just spending money like crazy and um, with no accountability and, and apparently no transparency on where trillions of dollars end up going, right? So I mean, right. I, I well, think not that-
1: not only that, but as soon as you take a look at the organizations listed, as well as the the banks in here, and they are the ones behind all of these agendas, and if they're not on the list. All of the NGOs and other corporations that work with them and have agreements with them are behind all of the other agendas. So if you strip them of this power or some of these powers and you put a huge kink in their system, their structure, they've been building up for decades. Imagine imagine that house crumbling down, the impact that would have
0: yeah if you had the ability to sue any one of these organizations or FOIA any one of these organizations, <laughs> you imagine well, right?
1: Well, yeah, that's clearly in the state that they're in right now that's that's not a viable option, but coming at it from the money end of it and uh legislators cutting ties with the central banks and federal reserve puts a massive kink in their system. And uh you know, because I, I think of some of the reports I've done where I've been tracing money, right? And I can see where it I can track where it moves up to a certain point. And then once it gets into Africa or some other area and you see who it's going to, and you know those organizations that are pulling it in are corrupt. Um, but anytime they're busted, of course, it's written up as though they were some rogue characters that worked for the organization that did it <laughs> it's never blamed on those that are laundering it through um so so it would put a massive massive hiccup in their system there's 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 ways to actually combat this now that we see the full structure we see their control framework
0: mm-hmm. i think we can
1: come at it in um in several different ways now.
0: Agree. I think that this is information that really was not top of mind at all for me, but it seems very central to getting at the heart of the problem, which is this consolidation of power and control. And the heart of that being this sort of blanket immunity that they've been awarded for decades.
1: Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So, so I can't say when part two will come out because it is a work in progress. I already have about 30 pages of research notes on it. Um, so I still need to finish digging up some more info and then start writing that. And there's there's another piece I might actually jump on first that I've been wanting to get out for a few months now. Uh, it's also really critical. Um, <laughs> yeah, my plate's full.
0: <laughs> always always <laughs> well guys be be sure to check out Corey's latest report on cory's com. laundering with immunity the control framework part one and look out for her part two coming up at some point in the future and and,
1: and i haven't redone the banner to show that we are no longer on youtube yes we
0: we forgot to edit this i'll put yeah. like a
1: big red slash through it <laughs> yes
0: you should you should keep it up because it's like a badge of honor i know how pissed you were about this happening because um especially only, the time only, frame
1: yeah only by one week like i wish they would have just waited until next week to do it
0: i know you really i mean like youtube is the largest following that we had with what over 40,000 Forty-five,
1: um, which 45? you know is way more, because they basically stopped my numbers along the way. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to get this report out over there before they killed us. So that's the only thing I'm really pissed about there.
0: Right. Right. I mean, not, I mean, we we totally get it. YouTube is garbage. They are just completely, uh, you know, illegitimate as far as the way that they censor any any voice of dissent from the narrative. Um, so we understand that. But we we had a far reach there. We were trying to reach people who maybe don't go to alternative media that need to get this information. And uh, so there's that- still
1: a lot of people, a lot of people that. Um that still watch over on youtube or they're not just not comfortable sorting their way through other platforms uh but speaking of youtube and google i just real quick want to mention because this is something i came across and i don't know if anyone's ever reported on this or not i stumbled across it while looking for something else but in in june of this year um google announced its commitment In the the United States, they're expanding their commitment with the United States with the creation of Google Public Sector, a new Google division that will focus on helping U.S. public sector institutions, including federal, state, and local governments and educational institutions, accelerate their digital transformations. So that's another thing. States, stop getting involved with this crap. Mm. Yep. Mm -hmm. State and local governments stay away from these
0: evil doers. F- <laughs> yeah, stay away from pretty much the rule of thumb. Stay away from big government, big pharma, mm-hmm. big tech, and big banksters. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, guys, so we are no longer on YouTube. Please be sure to share this podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to all of our other platforms, BitChute, Foxhole, GabTV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. <laughs>